0: Time that um, was asked by a young lady if he would if he would marry her and her fiance. Of course, he said yes, but um, he recognized that the young lady had had gone through a divorce and it was not married anymore. So he wanted to make sure that everything was going to be okay. So he met with them ahead of time, did the pre-marriage counseling, and talked to them about the relationship with God, talked to them about the relationship with one another, and kind of walked through the ceremony. But then during the ceremony, he called the groom by the Bride's first husband's name. And that pastor was me. Yes. Which, by the way, I got permission from the young lady to share this today. And it was kind of um, funny for the bride, not quite so funny for the groom. And today I have a really good relationship with the groom, and we're okay. But it's one of those, did I just say that moments? And we've all had those, did I just say that moments. And sometimes those moments are funny, right? Sometimes they're funny to us, but they're not funny to other people. Sometimes they're funny to other people, but they're not to us. But sometimes we have those, did I just say that moments when they're actually not funny to us and they're not actually funny to other people. And so that's kind of what we want to dive into in this series, is kind of really talk about and really deal with this issue of the this member of our body that's located right here between our nose and our chin, our big fat mouth, right? Right? We all have had those, did I just say that moments, and so what we want to recognize is how to uh, say the right things and how to begin to understand that it's important that our words do have life in them. In fact, some of you, when you say the wrong things, you recognize when you say it. You, you, you said it, and, and sometimes you go, well, I'm justified in saying it, so you say it. Sometimes you recognize you say it, but you, know, you, you feel bad. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. I wish I could take that back. And then there are others, amen. And then there are others of you that you are totally clueless every time you say wrong things. And some of you know some of those people. And what we want to learn through this series is actually what God has to say about this issue of our tongue. Those, did I just say that moment. So number one, the reason why we want to learn this is so that we can get better at the relationships that we have and keep our relationships healthy. The second thing is, is so we can learn how to keep our eye on this unruly member of our body, our tongue. Your tongue really does have the power of life and death. In fact, here's what the Word of God says about it. The tongue has the power of life and death, and it goes on in concluding that verse, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Meaning you're going to bear the consequences of things that you say. Now, I'm thankful for the grace of God. I'm thankful for the mercy of God, and I'm thankful that when that grace and mercy gets inside of other followers of Jesus Christ, that they can extend grace and mercy to me, but I don't want to just rely on that. I don't want to keep damaging relationships and keep going, well, can you just give me grace? Can you just give me mercy? What I want to learn how to do is I want to learn how to rule over this unruly member of my body. The third reason, and I think this is probably the best reason why, that we need to pay attention during this series, show up every Sunday, try to implement what it is that we're learning because saying the right things to people is what Paul referred to as the way of love. And that's what we want to walk in as followers of Jesus Christ so that we make Christianity irresistible, the way of love. Now, if you remember from that series, we have a tendency to picture that as in the movie Titanic and you're Kate Winslet and you're out on the bow of this, this um, ship and your hubby or your boyfriend is behind you holding you and it's just a romantic moment. Or you're Leonardo DiCaprio and you're the one holding your beautiful wife. Right? In the way of love. But when we really begin to understand what the way of love was, it's what we celebrated last week. What Jesus Christ willingly did for us so that we could walk in the fullness of life that God has for us. And I know what some of you are thinking today. This is going to be a great series for so-and-so, right? great, here's what I want to ask you to do. Take our invite cards, because we've got some invite cards that match the graphic here, and invite them to come next week. But you show up too, so that we can all learn how to guard what we're saying, so we don't find ourselves in all of those did I just say that moments. So here's kind of the takeaway from the series, in case you fall asleep here in just a couple minutes, or your baby starts crying and you have to leave, or work calls you out. Here's the takeaway. Everyone... Should be quick to listen and slow to speak. In fact, say that with me if you would. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Nudge your neighbor and say, hey, he's talking to you to say it too. Let's all try it one more time. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Because what typically happens is when we get into a fight, or as we like to call them around our house, a discussion that gets a bit intense is that we have a tendency to kind of clam up. We clam up emotionally and stop listening, but we keep talking a lot. That's what happens. And we, when we get in conflict with someone, just so you know, we always want exactly the same thing that the other person wants. We want to be heard, and we want to be understood. So what I want when I'm in a fight is I want you to be quick to listen, And slow to speak. And you want me to be quick to listen and slow to speak. So, Pastor Ritchie, this is pretty good teaching. Where did this come from? This came from the Bible of all places. Wow, imagine that. In the Bible, we can learn how to be healthy in our relationship. In fact, it comes from the book of James. James, by the way, who was the brother of Jesus. Now, can you imagine having Jesus as your older brother? I mean, think about the relationship you have with your siblings for just a moment, and Jesus being like that, and and he's telling you that he's the Messiah. Are you all getting this, the picture in your mind of your sibling doing that? In fact, it's kind of interesting because James didn't actually become a believer until after Jesus rose from the dead. In fact, in Mark chapter 3, you find out that he thought he was crazy, just like you would if your brother said, hey, I'm the Messiah, right? Right? But when Jesus predicted his death and his resurrection and then pulled it off, James became a believer. James, the brother of Jesus. I, the reason why I want you to understand that is because sometimes we get challenged in our faith of believing, is the word of God true? Did Jesus really rise from the dead? Listen. James later on became martyred. He became the, the head of the church in Jerusalem, but then he was martyred. He was stoned to death, and I don't like to say that anymore because of the way our culture is kind of going. Everyone kind of thinks, what a way to go, right? But re- in reality, he was he was stoned to death in, in a bad way. He was martyred for the cause of Christ. And so understanding that he was willing to lay down his life for that can give us great faith. It can help us to really understand that it really is proof and evidence that Jesus is and was who he says he was. So James, the brother of Jesus, said this, my dear brothers and sisters, and I love the fact that women, you you don't understand what Christianity did for women. I know that that's real popular right now for, for females to be elevated and being on equal terms, and I know we have to kind of work through some of that in the homes and all these things, and some of you are politically getting quickly diverse on this, so just Push that aside for a second. But up till this point, women were actually property. They couldn't vote. They couldn't testify in court. And Christianity, Jesus, when he came in, he elevated women. So help us understand that we're all God's children. So he says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. It means sit up straight. Listen to what I'm about ready to say. And if you're taking notes, take note of this. Everyone, so who's he talking to? Is he just talking to your neighbor? Is he just talking to your spouse that you're thinking again, oh man, I wish they were here today to hear this. Listen, everyone should be quick to listen. Now that doesn't really make sense to us because how do you listen quickly? Now I know what some of you actually think that means is that you you think you listen quickly. It's why you interrupt people all the time because you already know what they're going to say. So you interrupt them and go, I'm listening quickly here. Just so you know, that's not what he's talking about. But James is trying to make a point that our first priority in a relationship is to be quick to listen. Quick to listen. Do that before you do anything else. Before you do anything else, listen. All that we're doing is doing what Jesus taught us, that you are to do to others what Christ, through Christ Jesus, did for you and I. He prioritized you and I. It means the people that are around us, we put them ahead of us. We put them in front of us. And here's the next big idea: after it's be quick to listen, and the next thing, be slow to speak. And it doesn't mean you're dragging your words out, it means after you're quick to listen. Come on, y'all, that's actually pretty funny. <laughs> it's okay to laugh in church, all right? Be slow to speak. In other words, when you want to say something, wait, be late. Check yourself, no, I'm not going to say it. Make sure the person that you're talking to knows that you're hearing them. Be slow in responding, even if the person is going on and on and on and on and on. And if you just can't stop it, you i got to say something. Be curious, actually ask a question. If I do that, they'll just keep going. Great, why? Because God's Word tells us that we are to be quick to listen and slow to speak. And the more we listen, the more we actually learn about a person that we're in relationship with. Because we think we know all about them already. We think we understand them. In fact, some of you live with this mindset, if I want your opinion, I'll give it to you. Preach it, Pastor Richie. So why are we supposed to do that? Because we are responsible for us and not them. We are response able, we are able to choose our response. Some of you don't think you can. Oh, I just got to say what I, I got to be real. Listen, you don't have to be the ugly real of you. Every thought that comes into your mind does not have to be spoken. All right, we are response able. How much easier and better our relationships would be if we were just quick to listen and slow to speak? Think of all the arguing and fighting that could be avoided if we just did what God's word says to us with our relationships. Listen, the next time you're in, a relation, in the middle of a discussion and you want to blow the person away, say, listen, I'm, I really do want to understand. I don't quite see it your way. Could you say it to me again a little bit differently because I really want to understand you. They'll be like, hey, wait, what is this? what's going on here? Listen, every time that I've done that, it's been awesome. But every time that I am quick to speak and slow to listen, it doesn't turn out quite as well. Listen, this this is what happens with us as parents when we're dealing with our kids. As parents, we naturally have the experience, right? We have the wisdom. We've walked through things. So what we have a tendency to tell our kids is, listen, I've been there. I've gone through what you're going through. Now, listen, you may have gone through something similar to what they've gone through, but you have not gone what they've gone through or what they're going through right now. It feels totally different for them than it did for you. But we just say that. Listen, I've gone through what you have gone through. And listen, you don't even have frontal lobe development yet. Right? So you need to just listen to me. Listen to what I'm telling you. Hey, hey, where are you going? Where are you going? Right? And before you know it, they, they're not around anymore. They're not listening to you. And you're wondering, why won't, won't my kids listen to me? Listen to this. Look, look at this thing right here. You can be right and write the person right out of the relationship. This is pretty good preaching today, y'all. Because people want to be understood more than they want to be Lectured. Listen, and people are normally willing to be open to ideas if they think for a moment that you're trying to understand what it is that they're actually trying to communicate. We've all been in the middle of situations where you're talking to someone. and As you're talking to them, you can see that their eyes are glazed over. And you can tell they're, they're not really engaging. They're not really engaging. Some of you are there today already. They're not really engaging. Their eyes are glazing over and you're wondering, why aren't they listening to me? And James would say, duh. You need to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Now, if we begin to get those two down, which, by the way, we don't ever fully arrive with that. As much as we can get it and learn it, we can kind of be operating in it. It's real quickly because of the fact that we are sometimes the most important person in our life. And we have a tendency to go, I need to tell you what you need to hear from me because I know what's going on. But when we get those two things down, we start working it, we can go on to what comes next. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and watch this, and slow to become angry. Slow to become angry is both a result and it's a choice. Because watch this, if you are quick to listen and slow to speak, you are less likely to become angry. And it's easier to guard against becoming angry if you've decided up front that you're going in to listen because you want to understand. And anger in this context comes from us drawing hasty, misinformed, relationally destructive conclusions. So James is kind of giving us a formula here that he wants us to say, the longer you listen, because you're slow to speak, you're going to listen, you're going to listen, listen, the more you're going to learn about that person, that less angry you'll actually be. And here's how this works, and this is kind of common sense, but one of the things that I've recognized in my own life and just in life in general is just because something is common sense doesn't always make it common practice. And sometimes we need to be reminded of some stuff, but listen to this. Everything that everyone does makes sense to them. Everything, everything, everything. They wouldn't do it if it didn't make sense to them. I know it doesn't make sense to you, but everything that everyone does makes sense to them. It gets worse. Because everything that everyone says makes sense to them. When people are saying something, it makes sense to them. Listen, if you find yourself saying, I don't know why they do that. I don't know why they they say that. Who needs to understand some things? Let me give you a hint. I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> this was a lot funnier in my mind, i got to really tell you that. I don't know why anybody would say that. I don't know why any Who's confused? Who's in the dark about what's going on? Listen, I think that you've got some learning to do about the person that's in your life that you care about. Listen, but most of the time, we'd rather act just like, it'd be honestly, like we're kind of being critical. I don't know why they do that. I don't know why they act like that. But guess what? They'll have a, a really good, reason for what they do, just like you have great reasons for what you do and what you say. Listen, when I talk to couples, whether it's in pre-marriage counseling or if they're just walking through some things, I always talk to them about the importance of communication because I don't care how compatible you are as, as, as a couple, you're going to always have some things that you think, see, feel, look at differently, and you've got to learn how to talk about it. You've got to learn how to communicate about it. So when I talk to them, I teach them from the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Many of you have read that by Stephen R. Covey, an incredible book. But I teach them habits four and five. And habit four is think, win, win. In every relationship that you're in, you always need to think, win, win. Now, that's kind of hard for us because we're in a competitive society where we compete for jobs, we compete in sports, we compete, and it's easy for us to think win-lose. But if you're in a relationship with your spouse, with your kids, with someone close to you, and you're thinking win-lose, if they lose, you both lose. Okay? So you got to start off thinking win-win. Only if you're thinking win-win will you be able to do habit five, which is seek first to understand and then to be understood. Now we're wired exact opposite of that. We want to be understood immediately rather than making sure that we understand the other person. In fact, it's it's honestly it's quite comical when I when I teach this to couples and, and they kind of begin to learn it, we'll sit in several times, they begin to learn it, and so they'll come back sometimes after the second or third session, and they'll go, hey, that doesn't work. And I'll go, really? And they'll go, Yeah, it doesn't work. Okay, okay. Well, let's are you seeking first to understand, then to be understood? Yeah, yeah, we are. Okay. Well, then why don't you guys just do it? Go ahead and pick a subject, start talking about it right now. They'll start talking, you want to interrupt them, the other one interrupt them, they'll go, oh yeah, and they'll go back and forth and they'll go, whoa, whoa, whoa. do you think you're doing it now? They'll go, oh yeah, we're doing it now. And I'm like, no, you're not doing it now, because seek first to understand means you actually understand the person before you're focused on being understood. And all that Stephen Covey is doing is he is just restating what James is teaching us about seeking first to understand means that we ask a lot of questions. It means that we need to listen and listen and listen. And just so you know, it's harder to listen than it is to talk. You got to listen. And then only when we understand, and you'll know that you understand because the other person will feel understood. You'll you'll literally see them let down their guard. Only then do we seek to be understood. See, but if we're just listening to reply, which is what we're typically doing, I'm thinking of, oh, yeah, you said that. I can gig you with this one. I can do this one and get you. If you're just listening to reply, we're not actually learning anything. And it's going to be hard to make the relationship any better because we all have a frame of reference, we all, we all think that we see the world objectively the way that it actually is, but we see the world as we are, the way that we were raised, the, the, the environment that we grew up in. So listen to this. Watch this. Everything we hear, we hear through our filter. I know some of you are going, oh, I don't have a filter. I'm, I'm, no, we all have a filter. So no matter what anyone says, we hear it through a filter. And it doesn't mean that our filter is always right. And it doesn't mean the other person's filter is always right. But it is their filter, and it makes sense to them. That's why we need to listen, because when we listen, we learn, and when we learn, we grow, and when we grow, our world expands. I'm naturally a task-oriented person. I am. I, I can come in on Sunday mornings, and I couldn't say hi to any of you, and I would naturally be okay with that. That's not good. But my wife is naturally a party waiting to happen. She is a sanguine upon sanguine. She loves to talk to people. She loves to connect with people. And I remember a Sunday when I was on staff at a church and I was running around doing all my things, she comes up and grabs me by the face and looks at me straight in the face and says, Honey, they just want to talk to you. And the light bulb came on. Suddenly my world got expanded. So now when I'm walking around and I'm shaking your hand, I know it's a little socially awkward and I can be almost like shaking hands with a serial killer or something like that. But, I, but what, I, what I'm learning is I'm learning how something that my wife was able to put into my life simply because I listened. my world expand now if we stop there that would be awesome that alone would help us to operate in the way of love like Jesus wants us to operate in but James isn't finished yet in fact here's what he goes on because this is bigger than hey we just all need to get along you know we all do need to get along But it's bigger than that. James wants us to see that God actually has a divine agenda attached to this. So he says again in verse 19, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because, now James is going to tell us why. And we think we know why. We think we know why because, listen, if I'm calmer, I'll be more convincing. And and if I'm calm, you'll think that I'm actually listening to you because in reality, though, I'm actually thinking of my response and my being calm is going to get you a little bit off guard. So, what I'm really learning here is a great listening technique. And James would go, No, you don't understand this because he says this because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. What is human anger? It's wanting things my way. We like to call it frustration. In fact, Pam and I were talking, um, having one of our discussions uh, about a week and a half ago, and she goes, Man, you seem angry. And I said, No, I'm just frustrated. I was angry. I mean, honestly, can I just be open with you all today? I was just angry. And so we say we're frustrated, but really, we're angry. And it's, it's really angry. because what James is telling us is that human anger, blowing up. Some of you are blower-uppers, man. The moment you get angry, brah, plates fly, lamps fly. I mean, you blow up. But a lot of us today, because of the way we've been taught, we internalize it. And we kind of mash it down, and we think, oh, this is good. Yeah, this is good. I'm just controlling over myself, and we don't deal with the anger. Listen, our our human anger doesn't produce the righteousness that God wants in our life. Blowing up is just as bad as internalizing it. Internalizing it is just as bad as blowing up. Because, listen, every time there's a conversation going on in a relationship with someone we have, there's three agendas. There's my agenda, the other person's agenda, and God's agenda. Which agenda do you think is best for everyone? God's. In fact, you see, my anger is based on my rightness. We're talking about God's righteousness, and that's that's being right with God. But it's built built based on my rightness, and that's my rightness is what my anger produces. that, That I want I want you to know I'm right. I want everyone to know that I'm right. And my ability to get angry or manipulate you produces my rightness, my ability to try to have it my way to where in our lives it becomes my way or the highway. And James is telling us that's not the righteousness that God is after. That's not the right right. And and here's what James is actually leading us to. He's trying to to help us understand where I'm gonna pick up next week And because if we're really honest, we wanna be right at each other More than we want to be right with each other. And and, and if I can argue with you and browbeat you until you finally throw up your hands and go, you're right. But listen, does anybody ever really win an argument? You really don't. I won the argument. Where is she? Well, she left, but I won. Yeah, you won the argument, but you lost the relationship. And again, every one of us can write people right out of our lives. And James is telling us, come on, Christ followers, walk in the way of love. And again, I, I wish that was something that just was fluffy and felt good. But I'm telling you, to walk in the way of love is sacrificial. It means that I continue to listen until I understand. When in my mind, I'm wanting to check out. I'm wanting to just say, please, could you please stop talking? But it's, I make that sacrificial choice. And, and, and James is drawing us into the commandment, the, the one commandment that Christ gave that is the overarching ethic for us as followers of Jesus Christ. Here's how he says it in John 13 A new command I give you love one another as I have loved you. Remember last week how Christ has loved us? So you must love one another. So, one more time from James. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Verse 20 says, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So here's the takeaway. Here's the thing that we should focus on this week. Every one of us in the relationships that we have with other people, we need to practice this, being slow, quick to listen, and being slow to speak. Say it with me if you would. Quick to listen, slow to speak. One last time. Quick to listen, slow to speak.